Hey everybody, happy Saturday or whatever day you happen to be listening to this. It's episode 5 of the Random Joe Show. To recap what the show's all about if you're new around here, the Random Joe Show is a video game book club where we all play a new video game each week and discuss it as we move through it together. The conversation happens on Twitter and Discord throughout the week. And then I make a show each weekend relating your thoughts and your memories, and I even express my own experiences. The hope of the show is that you would make friends as you play random games alongside and sometimes with one another. The impetus of this show was the massive backlog of games that I had assembled through Steam sales, free Xbox and PlayStation 4 games, and the like. This week's game of the week is Full Metal Furies. It's an ID at Xbox game that was launched in January of this year and is out on Xbox One and PC. It's by the developer of Rogue Legacy. You may have heard of that one. It was pretty popular on uh, basically all the platforms. Cellar Door Games is that, that developer. And uh, I had heard from a YouTuber that I really like named Slow Wolf that this was a really, really uh, enjoyable game, memorable game, one that he was kind of caught off guard by and surprised by in terms of how good it was. And uh, there was a, an article as well on Destructoid by the reviewer basically saying, I really liked this game and I was wanting to find out what other reviewers thought, but it wasn't actually even reviewed very often. Uh, there, it almost came by as like this really well-guarded secret that wasn't picked up on. Well, all that stuff really intrigued me and I thought it sounded really interesting. So I picked it up and, uh, and I tried it out this week and I was hoping that we could uh, discuss it a little bit and share what I liked, what I didn't like, my overall impressions, and then uh, begin to talk about other games that I and you've been playing this week. So let's start off with the basics. What is Full Metal Furies? Uh, first of all, Full Metal Furies it, it takes place in this dystopian world, inspired by ancient myths. Prometheus, a gracious benefactor of humanity, has vanished, causing the world to be enmeshed in endless war. The Furies, another mythological reference there, jump in to try to fight against the warring titans and their armies and bring peace once again to humanity. Even though there's tons of these Greek mythological overtones, it's seemingly set in a ruined world not unlike our own, but one that has its roots in that fantastic mythological time period. There are guns, there are swords, there are hammers, there are alien creatures all over the place, there are titans, and there are a combination of the mythological and the technical. For instance, there's one titan who's a giant turtle that's a mechanized fortress with cannons and the, abil the abilities to, to spin around and fly. This game plays a lot like an old-school brawler in its perspective. It's kind of like a side-scroller, but it's set up above so that you can kind of move up and down, similar to like a Power Rangers for the Genesis or Streets of Rage or Battletoads. It's really an action RPG, though, more than it is a brawler. You take on the, the, the position or the people of the Full Metal Furies team. It's a group of four women who each embody one class, like a tank, a sniper, the engineer, or the fighter. There's a certain bullet hell style to combat. By that I mean that as you're on the screen, there's a lot of projectiles that are everywhere. And avoiding those things is key to the success of your, your ability to stay alive on the map. It's got very frenetic and constant action. And it's built in a co-op way. And in single player mode, you simply choose two of the four characters and you can swap in between them at any point in time. And if you need to revive your downed ally, you can do that, which will then give you the ability to keep playing. If both of your, your team members go down at the same time, you fail the mission and you go back to the previous checkpoint. 
Now the RPG aspect takes shape through skill trees that are individual to each character. So each of those four characters have their own set of skill trees. Those include basic stat upgrades that you can invest in, or they include specific uh, skills or an improvement of certain base core abilities that are in that, that character's toolbox. Uh, it's really interesting the way that they're all set up and how those things contribute to who your character is. Whenever you play a mission, you'll earn gold. And that gold is used to permanently level up your character by choosing a skill on the skill tree. When you choose a skill and assign a skill point, perhaps to either a specific stat or to increasing the ability of one of the abilities you already have, you don't gain any new abilities as you earn gold, but what you do is you make those abilities stronger. For instance, uh, one of the abilities I had as the as the tank, right, was that I could use my, my shield to deflect bullets. Well, one of the ability point uh, investments that you can make is making it so that if you pull up your shield at the last moment, you'll actually reduce the amount of damage that's coming in at you. Or, for instance, if you're the fighter, you can do a counterattack. If you time it just right and there's a bullet coming in at you or an enemy that's charging you with a spear, you can hit that button and it will basically make you invulnerable and do a dash attack at that character that attacked you. And so the skill point wouldn't necessarily unlock that ability, but what it does unlock is the ability to have that register a longer amount of time. It increases the amount of time that you can press that button and get the desired result. So all of the skill point increases are, are kind of bending your character towards a specific way of using your skill sets. And that's where the other side of the RPG aspect of this game comes in. It's your gear itemization. As you progress, you'll obtain blueprints. And these blueprints can be earned via, sometimes they're in, in these little chest boxes that are hidden off to the side of the area, or perhaps you get them from completing a, an optional side mission, or sometimes those can appear as rewards for completing a main story mission or, or chapter of the, of the story. And those are then unlocked on a specific character, and that gear piece functions essentially as transferring one of your skills into something else. So I mentioned the tank before. So the tank has four abilities. One of those abilities is that the tank can charge at enemies with her shield and kind of push them away, do damage to them, and protect her. Another one of her abilities is that she can hold up her shield and use it as a defensive tool. And she has a certain amount of skill or uh, shield points that will be depleted as she takes damage while in her defensive mode. Another ability that she has is the ability to shout, where she can shout really loudly and it, it intimidates and causes other enemies to fly up in the air if they're near you. The last ability is your basic attack and each one of those can be augmented in a specific way and there's four possible augments to each slot that you will unlock as you play the game. So let me give you an example. If you have the one augment, perhaps now instead of if you hold up your shield to defend, now you can deflect melee attacks back at their at their owners. There's one of those where suddenly as you try to defend, it, it takes on a different set of properties or it gives you the ability to, you have less deflection but more health, that kind of thing. So you can kind of spec out your character in the way that you want to. And those four different gear pieces kind of become the way that you utilize your abilities. Another example is the fighter. So the fighter has an evasion ability similar to that 
uh, the tank, which would move forward with her shield and kind of knock things away. Well, the fighter has like a giant hammer. And what you can do with her is she, by default, will jump up in the air and then land and do an AoE attack to anything nearby, causing them to become weakened. Well, you can change that to where she, instead of jumping up in the air, she smashes the ground and instantaneously does that AoE attack. Or you can make it that instead of it being a jump forward, it's a dash back with a significantly lower cooldown. Or you can make it so that she jumps very high up in the air, but when she lands, the AoE is massive, doing damage to nearly the entire screen and sending enemies flying upwards instead of just weakening them. Those are all examples of how utilizing your specific gear perks on those things dramatically changes and influences the way that you would begin to approach a combat scenario. There may be a certain enemy or enemy type that you find that this certain move is very effective at. So for instance, I mentioned the idea of the fighter using a, a backstep or, or a jump forward. There were certain enemies that was better that I was able to use my, my dash mechanic very, very frequently because they were constantly in my face, right? So I'd want that, that step back or the shorter cooldown but smaller damage. There are other ones where I needed the, the high jump so that I could get underneath my enemies and do more damage to them that way. And, and the way that you itemize and, and spec out each individual character really does feel like a meaningful choice. But that kind of gives you an idea of the RPG mechanics that are there. One final RPG mechanic that really kind of separates this game and that I haven't really seen done in other games is that as you utilize any piece of gear, you can level the gear up. Now, unlike in most games, when leveling a piece of gear, you would normally expect new perks or abilities to be unlocked on that gear. Not in this game. The way that it works is as you level a piece of gear by utilizing it, so let's say that the more I use the defensive shield on the tank, for instance, the more that that piece of gear will become leveled. As you level it, once it hits certain level up points, you will gain a, a passive boost to something like HP, basic attack, special attack, gold find. And those will be bonuses that will not just be applied when you are wearing the leveled up gear, but no matter which gear you are, you are wearing, no matter which character you are using, across your entire account. So by the end of the story, I ended up with like 30 plus percent bonuses to all of my characters at all times for all of the pieces that I had leveled up cumulatively across my account. It's a really cool mechanic, one that rewards you for continuing to play, and one that allows you to to invest that time to build up and, and to learn those new play styles so that you can gain those upgrade points and that extra stat boost that you get from utilizing them. Um, the presentation of the game is, is kind of a pixelated 32-bit style. It's got a mixture of hand-drawn elements like backgrounds and character portraits for, for the dialogue sessions and kind of pixelated character models in the game and it really does it's very charming the music similarly is somewhere between either like a, a stylish rock or or folk electronic and this synth pixelated edge to the music and it, it feels in a lot of ways like the visual aesthetic of the game and the and what you're hearing just match so well it's extremely cohesive it's very striking and it's quite unique in terms of how it is presented in the game. And it's very endearing. The, the character, especially the character portraits, are lovely. Uh, it's really good. Now, 
There's another key part of this game that I have to mention, though. And once again, I'm kind of explaining this a little bit more than I would in detail because most people are probably not familiar with this game. There's one other major aspect to this game. You have the action component. You have the RPG component. I've explained kind of the perspective of the game. I've explained kind of the what the combat feels like and what the art direction looks like. But there's one major focal point of this game that is really unusual and feels like it's out of left field. And that's the element of puzzles. This game is a major puzzle game. The puzzles that are there not only are, are kind of accentuating the experience, but they permeate the world and your adventure. Upon completing each mission in the game, there's a ton that still needs to be done uh, to see the actual ending. So as you progress, you could play through every action RPG sequence in the game and have found none of the secret puzzles that are littered throughout the game. If you have done that, at that point, you'll basically be instructed to go back and find these puzzles and given you, they'll give you a little bit of a hint as to where to begin to go. That was something that was really surprising. I had noticed some of those things and I had thought I had found a fairly large number of puzzles, but as I'll describe as we go on, I barely touched the top of the iceberg. Uh, there are so many puzzles. They are so deeply entrenched in the game. They are so incredibly and ludicrously obscure and strange. Uh, and they're really cool. But many of them, most of them, the vast majority of them, I did not figure out myself. Now, the puzzles are, are such an important part because you don't actually get to see the, the final part of the game until you complete all the puzzles. And I was so interested in finding out what that story was, I just looked them up in a guide because <laughs> I wanted to know what the end of the story was going to be. And the end of the story was great. Uh, but it was interesting to me that the puzzles played such a heavy role in bringing you to that final conclusion. Uh, they're not just tacked on, even, even at the end, but they are just an integral part of what the game is about. And as you progress through the game, even the ones that I had found, they lended to this idea of the world. They lended to this idea of who you were and what you were doing and why you were doing it. And, and each of the puzzles, it, it really does accentuate kind of what they were trying to do, but it's something that really was, it felt out of left field. It was something that constantly surprised, delighted, frustrated, and amazed me. It's not perfect, and I'll explain as I go, but it is one heck of a journey. So let's go into what I liked. I've already started gushing about this game. There's a lot of good things about this game. Let's, let's talk about some of them. What I liked. The art in this game is tremendous. The character portraits are so expressive and so unique and so interesting. And this goes into another thing I loved. I love these characters. These characters were awesome. They were not just... When I first started playing, I thought that these are just you know filler kind of characters for their archetypes. And they were not. They were really enjoyable. They were really fun. They were really, you felt like they had this camaraderie and you really get to know them throughout the story. You have Triss, who's the tank. She's always drinking tea. She's like, she's got certain fascinations with things that are, that are ridiculous and, and that you don't need. She's the leader that kind of like pulls everybody into these situations and she's always getting them in problems without really thinking about it. You have Alex who's kind of like the the fairly simple, you know, she goes in, she fights stuff, and, and she just kind of goes with that. She's she's kind of that, uh, like, simple but 
uh, endearingly so. Uh, everything's just really easy for her. She just needs to go and stomp on it, and everything will be fine. Then you have Meg, and Meg is like the sniper who is basically just a stoner. She is as chill as could possibly be. She's constantly relaxed, and she has this one expression where she's just like panicked or sees something and just like her eyes get really big. She has like this uh, this beanie over her head, and her eyes like show up through her beanie, and she's like doesn't realize what's going to happen. And she's surprised by things because she's often not paying attention to anything. But she's funny. Uh, Aaron is the super nerdy engineer that's like geeking out about Babylonian ruins and and theory of language transmission. And I think that stuff's really interesting. So I was really, really enjoying a lot of her her banter and dialogue. But it, it's just really funny. And, and uh, they did a great job with the art. And the art brings those characters to life. The dialogue's really good, but the art brings the characters to life. And sometimes it's not even like what they say. It's just how those those drawn expressions articulate who this character is. Uh, the music is also spectacular. It's really good. I mentioned it has that kind of like synth edge, and it really does serve to reinforce the the game's aesthetic. And and I listened to the soundtrack on its own because I was loving it, and I was like, man, this is really good. I didn't end up loving it as much as a soundtrack, but I think that that is a testament to how cohesively it, it, it meshes with the rest of the design elements of the game because it's so perfect in the moment. The combat is so intense and so, uh, and so fluid and, and just constantly going, and, and the music provides the perfect background for it. You don't notice it, but... If you stop to think about it, you appreciate what it is and you, and you find yourself kind of humming along or tapping your foot to it or kind of nodding your head to the beat. And uh, it really is a, a great soundtrack that accomplishes what you want a good game soundtrack to do, to get out of the way and accentuate what the game is doing. I also really loved the Greek mythological overtones. It made for a really interesting setting. And at first I thought it was kind of cheesy, but they really go all in on it. And they delve into ancient civilizations. They delve into mythology. They delve into philosophy in some really interesting and intricate ways. It's not necessary for you to really jive with all those things. Like I said, they do that primarily through the different characters. And so I think that anybody who's playing can relate to one of those characters. And the dialogue there allows you to feel to engage with those as, as surface level or as deeply as you want to. Uh, secrets. There, there's some pretty cool secrets. This is one I'm like halfway on. I like that there are these secrets in the game. I like that there's this layer of depth that exists so that it's not just what you see. There's lots of stuff buried underneath. Um, some of it felt really obscure. We'll get into that with things I didn't like. But uh, there are a ton of secrets in this game, and it's they're pretty cool. Combat. This is the star of the show, in my opinion. This is the bell of the ball. This is what really makes this game work well, is it's really, really good combat. It's fast, it's intense, and it has that great zen-like bullet hell feeling that you get when you have projectiles all around you. You've got AOE targets where you know there's going to be stuff dropping, and you're trying to figure out how to mash the buttons in just the right way. And you can't just mash them. You have to have a plan. But like 
jumping over an enemy, going over here, dodging this way, swapping characters. The feel of the combat, it is very difficult to learn, but when you do, there is a zen-like quality to getting all of it right. And it's, it's forgiving enough that you can take damage and you even will heal up a little bit if you don't take any damage for a while. And so sometimes you're just evading, trying to just survive. And it has that really, really great balance between doing a lot of damage and you know being aggressive and also being really smart. Uh, the enemies that they present you with are very difficult and they take a lot of hits and you are pretty squishy overall but the combat ends up being this dance and, and it really ends up working, I think, to the game's uh, benefit in basically every way. Character swapping. This is another thing I really liked about the game. Um, this is something I liked a lot at the beginning and I liked less at the end. It was cool to have to think about which characters to take in with you and what their equipment should be. There are certain missions where they do benefit certain characters. This is where I played this whole thing solo. And I think that there is an aspect to this that should be mentioned is that certain characters in, in uh, solo just don't work very well. If you're trying to run as the sniper, it is very difficult to be able to survive because she's got to stay stationary. She takes a shot and reloads the next round, you know, empties the round, you know, chambers the next one. And that process is lengthy. And when you're getting bombarded by stuff. I mentioned it's like a bullet hell game, right? It is, you don't have that time to just stand still. And so for, for that character, and I, I just felt like there was some ways in which I ended up running the characters that could do counterattacks and use their shield. Because I felt like as a solo player, those were my best chance of surviving some of the more difficult stages. And it gets exceptionally difficult as you move in to the later part of the game. I liked at the beginning to being able to character swap um, and being able to level other characters, uh, but it was, I ended up leaving a couple of those characters behind upgrade wise, which meant that I was really only using a couple characters as the game progressed. And it was, there were, there were just as much annoyances as there were uh, this being a, a benefit. Uh, Another thing I wrote down that I liked is the upgrade system incentivizing playing as all characters. It does this. It doesn't do this as well as I'd like it to. Uh, what happens is that after you buy a certain amount of upgrades, you will get like a VIP bonus, which allows you to basically have less uh, money spent at the shopkeeper for each upgrade. And so the idea is, let's say you're level 15 with two of your characters you've been playing with for a while. Well, now you have, let's say, a, a 2,000 gold you know, reduction on all costs that you buy from the vendor. So if you swap over to your level zero or level one characters, their upgrades are all gonna be free because none of them are gonna cost 2000 gold. So you can basically make your way up with less resources and kind of move forward. Ultimately, once you get into the higher levels, it doesn't matter that much. It, it's not really, it, it doesn't provide enough incentive. So this was another thing that at the beginning, I, was, I felt very incentivized to play it all, as all players and near the end, I felt like I had to play with my specific characters and the builds that I was going with. I did appreciate the way that they rolled out some of the upgrade systems to let you continue to kind of play with what you wanted to play with and give you plenty of room to upgrade. Uh, but that was something that I, once again, started out better than it ended up. Persistent RPG elements and character progression and itemization. Each choice feels uh, different. It feels important. 
and it feels like you have a choice as to how your character plays. And I, I would bet that if there are other people that played this game, they probably didn't run with the same stuff that I ran with. They probably didn't like the same things that I like to run with. And that is important. There are so many choices in this game that are meaningful. One of the things I want to hammer home with this specific thing is that the way that they integrate this RPG mechanics is the way that it should be done. There aren't that many choices. There, there are a good number, but every one of them matters. They're all meaningful. And that's the thing that I, I, I think is really difficult in game design from as just a player is when I play games, I want my choices to matter. And rarely do I see a game where they present you with a choice and it always makes a difference. I really appreciated that. And I thought that the way that they integrated the persistent uh, elements of your character progression with the mastery system that I mentioned before, where your stats are going up as you try different things, but the itemization requires you to make choices and has a level of incredible depth to it. I thought it was great. One of the things I, that's really good is it's, it's a really fun game to kind of like just invest a ton of time into all in one shot. Uh, I found myself in a position where I was basically uh, playing this game and just this game during my day off on Monday and my day off on Saturday today. Uh, I just invested a ton of time into it because it, it hooked me and it was really fun to play and I, I couldn't stop. Like even, especially today when I finished it, I, I just couldn't stop. I needed to find out what the end was going to be. I needed to find out how it was going to all come together uh, and I, I really wanted to, to see it. Another thing I wanted to mention as a positive is its humor. I love its humor. Not everybody's going to like this humor. This humor is kind of dry. It's kind of uh, dad jokey, but I love it. One of the, like, some hilarious things that were said, there's this one enemy uh, who has, like, a shield and a spear, and he basically says, you know, to his friend, don't tell her that our weak spot is our face. And then you beat the crap out of him, and he says, how did you know the weak spot was our face? It's just kind of funny, you know, in a video game, it's like, of course we're going to hit you in the face a bunch of times, you know? There's another uh, moment where you're fighting against this one enemy and he's got kind of like this archaic way of speaking. And he says, farewell, thine noobs. And I, I just love the anachronism of that. It's pretty hilarious. There's another moment where you're getting ready to fight a boss and the boss is like, this is where the center of civilization is. And the one, your character says, this place looks pretty desolate. And he's like, oh, desolate like your face? And it's just like this silly, you know, retort that like is almost like groan inducing. But it, it adds to the charm of the game for me. There's a moment late in the game where you're walking through this secret area and there's all these symbols on the walls. And as you walk through at different points, the characters begin to talk about it. And Alex and, uh, and Aaron, the engineer and the fighter, are talking and the nerdy engineer is like nerding out on all this stuff and explaining theory of language and theory of, of usage of symbols and all this stuff, right? And uh, the whole time Alex is like, I don't get this. I'm just a fighter. I'm just a simple person. I just swing my hammer and kill stuff. And it's just like, okay, whatever. And Aaron is off doing her thing. And you get to the very end and the last cutscene uh, dialogue is Meg, the stoner, suddenly realizes that there's stuff on the walls. It's like, hey, what's that stuff there? After the other character has literally just spent like five minutes explaining like the theory of language up until this point. It's little moments like that that are just funny. Uh, there's another uh, moment where Alex, uh, once again, that just really simple, who sometimes get things, gets things wrong, comes up to a character and says, I'm, I'll be the good cop. 
tell us your secrets and we won't break your legs. And Triss just face palms because she's like, that's not how it works. The humor is probably not going to be for everybody. And maybe as I related those things excitedly, you're thinking, Joe, it's, it's not that funny. Uh, probably not. But it was enjoyable. It has this heart and spirit to it that's just enjoyable. And I hope that if you get a chance to play it, you, you kind of feel that as well. Two more things that I have is that were great. The boss battles were so incredibly epic, were so challenging, were so stress-inducing, but they were varied. They were all really different from one another. They were hard. They were satisfying to complete. They were super intense. I never had any slowdown, which was surprising because of the amount of particles that were on the screen and things that were exploding everywhere. It was great, though. I loved the boss battles. They were really hard, but they were so satisfying to beat, and they were so different from one another. Uh, it was Those were really great. The last thing I want to commend is its ending. Its ending is tremendously satisfying, and this is one of the reasons why I think it's it's unfortunate that the puzzles may keep people from finding out that, that final ending. Don't feel bad about looking up the puzzles. The puzzles are crazy obscure, and the ending is so worth seeing. It takes this really cool twist that ends up being really great at the end, and I love the way that they present that ending, and uh, I, I honestly may go back and play a little bit more of this. I always say that with some of these games that I really enjoy, uh, but I, I'd like to go back and, and play some more of this, see if there's anything I really missed. I used a guide to get through the last set of puzzles, but that ending was incredible. It was really good, and it left me really satisfied. Now, what did I just like about this game? There are some things. You might say, Joe, you've literally been gushing about this game for 25 minutes, and you'd be right, because it's a great game. But it's not perfect. The things I disliked, they all revolve around one major nucleus. Difficulty and obscurity. Difficulty. I kind of came around on this because I, I think that the game has, has a really earnest direction and vision. It's supposed to be hard. I'm not somebody who likes to play really hard games. I just don't. That's not usually my thing. This game got me, though, and I, I kept playing. I finished it. I finished this game. I was happy to do so, uh, but it was very difficult. Uh, I did put it down. I played it, you know, Sunday, Monday, and then I played it a little bit on Tuesday. Played it like I, I pop it in, play it for 15 minutes, and realize that I didn't know where I was going. I couldn't figure out how to progress, not because I didn't know what mission I was supposed to do next, because I knew what mission I was supposed to do next, but because I I couldn't, I wasn't powerful enough. I wasn't skilled enough to be able to do it. And perhaps that's one of its great strengths that it knows what it is. It is a gritty, hard, not gritty in terms of its style, but in terms of its, it is difficult and you have to be good. There, you cannot, you will not be carried on stat bonuses. You will not be carried from a friend. You have to do it. It is really difficult. And they know, I think they know that that's what it is. I think they know that it's not going to be appropriate for, for everybody in terms of, it's not going to be something everybody likes. I found the difficulty to be more of a, a hindrance in some senses, but like I said, I kind of came around on it because when I did beat it, it was really satisfying because it's freaking tough. 
The other thing is the obscurity. There's like five layers of puzzles in the game after you get to the first major ending. I thought I was doing really good. <laughs> I had probably, I had a little bit over half of the first layer on my own. Went back, used the in-game clues, got almost all of the first layer of puzzles. The first layer of puzzles then has a set of solutions to the next layer of puzzles. I figured out like two of them <laughs> out of the maybe 20. And it just gets more complicated from there. This is a hardcore puzzle game. It is so devilishly difficult. And it doesn't have that gradual kind of like increase in, in puzzle difficulty. It is a sheer drop off. The puzzles are obscure. The ways that you solve them are interesting. Don't get me wrong. But they are really obscure. At least for me. And, uh, and so the, the level of, of attentiveness you have to have, the level of things you have to try to get these puzzle games done, uh, or these puzzles done in this game was, was pretty staggering. And I felt like it kind of, I feel like it kind of diminished my experience a little bit. Um, I appreciate what they were doing, but there was no way I was going to figure out those on my own. And I was barely able to hang with the difficulty of the combat. And the difficulty of the puzzles was way beyond my ability to hang with them. Um, I respect what they're doing. I respect these puzzles, but holy crap, there, there was no way I was figuring them out. One of the other complaints, uh, criticisms I'd have was upgrading all your characters seems like a necessity. As I mentioned before, there's a necessity to be able to enter a fight with a specific loadout or, or, or way of dealing with it. But resources become very sparse once you've invested them in, in a character or two. And replaying levels when you get stuck doesn't really award you with very much. And so I found myself in a position where if I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or I felt I wasn't prepared enough or strong enough or able enough to, to beat that next area that I knew I was supposed to go to, I didn't know where I was supposed to go to farm currency. I didn't know where I was supposed to go that would give me a reasonable amount of gold. I didn't know where I was supposed to go that would help me to get these characters leveled up. And, and that proved to be a problem. There, there was a level of obscurity, both in terms of its game mechanics, in terms of its upgrade systems, in terms of its uh, puzzles, in terms of its combat, that were difficult in a way that I found off-putting. At the same time, I stuck with the game. I finished it. I had to use a guide for the puzzles, but I finished it. It's also somewhat unclear where you're supposed to go if you get stuck, particularly in the puzzle section. And did I mention difficulty spikes? There are some absolutely insane spikes in difficulty. Uh, the most notable of these is there's a moment in the game where you discover this Colosseum, and the Colosseum descends through these different circles of hell, and Styx is the titan that you're going to fight against during this process. And as you progress through those levels, they become more and more difficult. But it's not necessarily clear which order you're supposed to play this stuff in. As in, are you supposed to do the first three levels and then go back and do more in the next in World 3? Or do you do all five of them, which you can't. It gets too difficult. At what points do you kind of ping pong back and forth? It's not, not totally clear. 
And at the very end of the game, I found myself realizing I never finished those up and finding a very difficult encounter that I had to just give up on and come back to a little bit later. Um, so what are my overall impressions? I've mentioned some good, I've mentioned some bad. I'd say this game delivers an interesting vision for an action RPG with heavy puzzle elements, but it almost functions as two different games wrapped in one. Now the fusion is understandable, especially by the time you get to the end of the game, and it mostly works together for the good, but it's messy. This game is difficult on every level, and I respect the commitment to such a hardcore experience, but I wonder if its difficulty cuts against its ability to gain traction, especially because it takes such a bold and, and fierce approach to puzzles solving and combat progression, rather than just focusing on one being exceedingly difficult and the other one being more tame. I think it'd be one thing to have a, a an action RPG that was fairly easy, that had a fairly consistent you know road of progress that had these really intricate puzzle details that were introduced early on in the game and it's not to say that they weren't present early on in the game but they were focused on as points of progression in the story before you get to that final area or make the puzzles easier and keep the combat hard right now what you have is both of them are exceedingly difficult and on some level i i, I respect the as I mentioned before, I respect what they're trying to accomplish here, what it seems they're trying to do. I love this game, despite its flaws. And I appreciate it because it breaks the mold. It's not easy. It doesn't hold your hand. It pushes you. It forces you to get better. It forces you to figure stuff out. And it almost seems like some of these puzzles were, it's required that you go on the internet and ask your friends. Figure it out together. This game's hard. But it's got some some really interesting and, and and positive elements to it. It's a really niche and intense game. And I'm glad that we live in a gaming climate in which a game like this can be released. And my hope is that it would gain traction and gain an audience. It's clearly not for everyone. But I bet there's some people out there, maybe you're listening to it right now, you're listening to this and thinking, man, I want to get into this game, it sounds great. I hope you try it. Because people that like this kind of game, they need to play this. This is a great game. It's really interesting and really different. And uh, and I, I really enjoyed my experience. There were moments that were really frustrating. There were moments that were awe-inspiring. It is a really good game. Uh, not perfect by any measure. Definitely has some some issues that I had with it. But but it is very memorable. And, and I've really enjoyed it. So that's our game of the week. Full Metal Furies. I hope that you would support this developer. Go ahead and buy this game sometime. It's on Xbox or PlayStation. This is a really good game and a very solid uh, solid experience if you're looking for something that, anything like this, if you like that kind of game, the combat RPG or the puzzle stuff. Um, it's going to be difficult, but it's worth playing in my opinion. Now other games. Now as I've kind of joked before, this is the Destiny 2 part of my show. And this week, this is the Destiny 2 part of my show. I did a lot of Nightfalls for a DFA, which is this new hand cannon that is now the uh, exclusive reward for the Nightfall this week. Didn't get it at the time that it was recording. Did about 10 of them. Uh, I've been trying to just do those whenever I jump on. Uh, I've been hanging out in James Works community and in their stream chat, and they basically have been saying that the drop rates are probably around six to three to 6%, which means that you got to do about 20 Nightfalls to get it. That's been pretty consistent with what I've found. I, I got a ghost last week from about 10 Nightfalls and have done 10 this week and haven't had the DFA drop for me. 
but it should be fun. I did play some uh, six-man rumble. Didn't really like it that much. Uh, I like the eight-man better. And uh, ho- hopefully they'll fix some spawning stuff. Maybe they'll go up to seven. I have no idea what they'll do next. But I appreciate the quick response that Bungie gave and uh, changing that around and making it work. There were also a few raid encounters that I did. Worked with a group that was pretty fun. And then uh, the big reveal of the week was in the this week at Bungie and the season update. We got our, our seasonal development map uh, go through the... the the fall, we get all that information as to what's coming, and the new DLC Warmind is coming out on the 8th of May, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. There's also Iron Banner coming next week. All of these things are, are things I'm really looking forward to. Uh, if you play Destiny and you're looking for somebody to play with in Destiny 2, let me know. My gamer tag is Joe the Meaden on Xbox One and Joe Meaden on PlayStation. I'm actually playing on both these days. Uh, just to try to play with different people, and I'm enjoying leveling multiple accounts again. So, I'm having fun in Destiny. I hope you are too. And that's what I've been uh, what I've been up to. Now, other games that you guys have been playing. Uh, before I haven't really in- integrated these things, but I wanted to do this. If you've been playing other games other than our game of the week, my hope is that you'd share this as well. There might be an opportunity for other people to connect with you over these games, and there might be an opportunity for others to. Uh, share what they're playing and inspire you to try something out that you have sitting in your backlog too. Black Dragon, uh, Sahil New Zealand, uh, he has been playing through the Tomb Raider games this week. He finished Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris, which was better than he thought, and I remember playing that one. It's kind of an isometric puzzle game with cooperative elements, and it's really a pretty good game. Uh, I don't remember if I finished it or not. And his rec- His recommendation of it, saying that it was very good and better than he thought it would be, Makes me want to go back and try it out again. I think I have it for PS4, and I'd like to I'd like to try it out. It definitely fits in the vein of stuff that I like. I like those kind of puzzle-based games. I like the cooperative stuff that is is more about a, you working together to solve problems. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. Maybe come back to it at some point. He also said he started out with the uh, the new the most recent Tomb Raider game. So remember how there's Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider in that mainline series. They're basically fashioned after the Uncharted games, but he was surprised at how gritty and violent it was. And those games are certainly gritty and violent. And uh, I had even forgotten how how intense they start off for sure. I love those games too. Uh, I think they're the gameplay in them are just tremendous. I mentioned Uncharted 2 a couple weeks ago when we did that for our game of the week. And uh, Uncharted still has the corner on the market when it comes to storyline and storytelling. But I think Tomb Raider, that specific game, is just tremendously good as a game. It's just fun to play. The upgrades are fun. The weapons are fun. The the puzzles and, and whatnot are not too hard. They're pretty easy. And it's just fun to go through. It gives you that sense that you're that you're accomplishing those goals and, and fighting those different enemies. It's really good. Uh, Milks was also saying uh, he's he works with taxes, so he's been awfully busy this week. But if you're listening, Milks, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about The Witness with you this week. Uh, Witness is coming up as the game of the week next week. And so uh, I mentioned to him, he was like, oh, I really want to play The Witness. And I said, well, good news is you're going to be done with all your tax season stuff and it'll be the week of The Witness. So we're looking forward to playing that. Uh, it is free on Xbox Live uh, this month. It's actually free today and tomorrow. It's recorded on Saturday. Uh, so if you can pick it up before the 15th, you can have it uh, for free. 
even if you've already had the game before, I'd encourage you to uh, go back and check it out so that we can chat about it. We'll try not to be too spoilery. There's a lot in that game. It's very dense. I love The Witness. It was my favorite game of the year that it came out. I think it was 2015. Uh, and, and just had a blast with that game. It was wonderful. It might have been 2016. But either way, phenomenal game. Well worth playing. You should try it out. We'll talk about it as we are, are you know, coming up. Now, if you want to be featured on the show, like Milks or Black Dragon was, all you got to do, chat in our Discord or send me something on Twitter. Send me something via the Random Joe Show tag or my personal Twitter, JR Meaden. I'm trying to migrate stuff over to the Random Joe Show Twitter, but I'm still kind of doing a little bit of both right now. So either one of those... I'll respond. I'll send you something, and we'll put you on the on the show. If you have any other thoughts, let me know. Love to have you get involved with our community and and play some games together. Like I said, this is all about us being kind of like a video game book club, playing different games together, and just getting a chance to chat about stuff that's in our backlog and stuff that we're getting to play for the first time, or even stuff that we're coming back to uh, that we've already played before. As far as content on the channel this week, uh, I have not been feeling great. You probably have heard it in my voice. I had, I had the man head cold uh, where you're miserable and you can barely function and your wife makes fun of you uh, this week. So uh, I didn't get a 38-minute impression out. I did play the game, which was Cave Story Plus, but I didn't get a chance to record. Uh, I'll be releasing that early next week, and then there will be another one coming out on Rhyme uh, later in the week. It was a That's the game that came out last year. Or maybe it was two years ago, but it was a it's a puzzle based game and a real good game. It's got major major flaws, but it's it's got some it's got an interesting message to it. Uh, but I'll I'll release my thoughts on that one, play an hour with it, and give you what what I think, what I remember, and that'll drop sometime near the end of the week. Then next weekend, we'll do episode six. We'll discuss the witness. We'll talk about how it's an awesome game and you should play it, and uh, hopefully not spoil anything for you, but hopefully incentivize you to take that leap and play this awesome game. Well, that'll do it for me. You know where to find me. In the meantime, have fun gaming.